excited. Let's get into the word. How many of you um, enjoyed uh, last Sunday's message? And we were talking about being a revolution, be the revolution. And we're actually going to continue that 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 vein. We're going to talk about the characteristics. I do not think I'm going to get through all of these notes today, but that's all right, because somebody's going to be back here next week to finish up these notes. And so we're going to continue. And Pastor Sean and Pastor Strickland always teach us we don't ever exhaust the word of God. We simply have to move on to a new topic. And so we're talking about the revolutionary mindset. Go ahead and say, I have the mindset of a revolutionary. I have the mindset of a revolutionary. And before we get um, before we end, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to for Colorado University for that win last night. I know a lot of people are um, really excited about what's going on in Colorado with Coach Sanders. Uh, um, so we just want to say, again, we're excited. Shout out to, to that team for winning. And, and the thing that happens is so many times people will count you out. So many times people will say, not only is it impossible, when they see you doing it, they'll say it's not going to last. It's a fluke. After the first game that they won, people said, well, it's just one game. After the second game, they say, well, it's just two games. After the third game, they or before the third game, they start insulting people. And so why, why, do we, why are we talking about this? Because we're talking about the mindset of a revolutionary, right? And, and Pastor Sean said, I think it was two weeks ago, or maybe last week, revolutionary mindset is really the mindset of a winner. And we are Fellowship of Champions. And so we're always looking for winners. We're always saying, uh, how can I learn from someone who's already doing what God has created them to do? How can I grow and have that mindset of a winner? Go ahead and put that in the comment section. I am a winner, baby. I am a winner, baby. And so uh, coach, uh, coach basically said, hey, look, we came, we prepared, we came to do what we, we needed to do, and we got that done. In the end, it, it looked a little sketchy there for a while, right? It looked a little sketchy there for a while. But a winner finds a way to win. A winner finds a way to win. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to do a quick review and get into this word. I'm really excited about it. Um, so again, we're talking about the revolution, the revolution what do you think when you hear the word revolution? Most of us think about a major change, but we have some definitions that we're going to go um, go over and review that we were given last week and get into the characteristics of a revolutionary mindset. And so a revolution is a continuous process of innovation. So when you think of the word innovation, what is that? Innovation is that thing that's saying always improving, always growing, making it better. When you hear somebody is very innovative, they're always thinking cutting edge. They're always thinking something new and improving. And then it talks about the evolution. So it says a continuous process of innovation, evolution, again, which is that change and growth process or transformation, which is changing into something new in a particular field, discipline, or area of human endeavor. So basically that definition tells us that the revolution is something, it's a continual process that is always growing and improving. It's always, it never arrives. Revolution is not about an arrival. Revolution is about always improving, ever growing, ever increasing in our faith, ever increasing in our um, love walk, ever increasing. So to have a revolutionary mindset, you have to realize that the growth has to be continual. Your growth does not stop. We don't say, oh, I finally reached it. I, I know everything it is to know about faith. I, I know all these things. We're talking about having a revolutionary mindset. The second definition of revolution, however, was this a forcible overthrow of government or social order in favor of a new order, a forcible. So that first one seems a little more um, 
I don't want to say passive in the sense like it's negative, but a little more passive, right? It's saying, hey, we're just growing. We're learning. We're taking classes. We're doing those things, right? This one sounds a little more intentional as far as the force part. It says a forcible overthrow. So when you overthrow something, that thing typically doesn't want to move. So you have to go in with some strength. You have to go in with some might in order to take over that mindset or that current way of doing things. And when we're talking about being a revolutionary, sometimes we have to say, I cannot be docile when it comes to changing my thinking. I cannot be docile when it comes to changing my health. I cannot be docile when it comes to changing my money. I cannot be docile about my obedience to God. I cannot be docile about walking in love. I have to be so intentional and, and forceful to do the things that I was created to do. Amen. I mean, so this definition emphasizes the ongoing nature of change and the advancement rather than it being a singular event, one dramatic thing that causes this revolution. A true revolution is always moving forward. It's always moving forward. It can be peaceful, but it also can be violent. Depending on the circumstances, it can have some positive or some negative consequences. Some revolutions aren't great. Some revolutions um, take us in a different direction. But the revolution we're talking about is becoming like Christ our life looking like Christ, right? And that's the revolution that we are ultimately talking about. Our health, our mindset, our bodies, our families, our relationships. So many people, when they come to Fellowship of Champions, they talk about how practical we are in our teaching because we want to practically reflect the goodness of God. And we do that by having healthy relationships. We do that by walking in divine health and healing. We do that by being who God created us to be, which is whole, which is healthy, which is... Um, Living, a, and I'm not just talking about happy, I'm talking about whole, meaning we are, our souls are whole, our mindset is whole, our bodies are operating um, the way they were created to. We want to be a reflection of God's goodness in the earth. Um, so when we're talking about changing in any area of life, and what that looks like in the kingdom of God, we're talking about being uh, the revolution. The truth is that many believers want the results of a revolution. And when you talk about the revolution or the civil rights movement, right, a lot of people um, benefited from the work of a few people. And that's honestly what a lot of people do. They sit back and they wait for somebody else to go and blaze the trail and they wait for somebody else to get beat up and go through the hard stuff. And then they're going to come and say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. Right. And so we want to say we believe that we are supposed to be those people that go out and say we're going to change the world and we're going to have people following in behind us. But everybody wants the result of the revolution, but not everyone wants to do the work of the revolution. They want better health, wealth, relationships, but they don't want to do the labor. They want to ride on the labor of someone else. Kevin Hart always says everybody wants to be famous, but don't nobody want to do the work. Everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to do the work. Um, if you're going to be a revolutionary, you cannot just rely on the work of others. You have to be willing to put in the work yourself. Go ahead and put that in the comments. I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to put in the work. We, we are going to do these things. And work doesn't have to be a dirty word. Work can be a powerful word. When you start to uh, shift your mindset on things, work actually can, can, can be freedom. I saw something, I think it was Venus Williams put 
uh, on social media. And she said, I see discipline as freedom because with discipline, you get access to the things you want. And I thought, wow, what a different shift. When most of us hear discipline, we think negative things. But Serena, I'm sorry, Venus said such so eloquently that discipline gives me access to the things I want. If I discipline myself with my finances, I have access to, to live a financially free life. If I discipline myself with um, my health, I have access to divine uh, divine health. Discipline is our friend. And, and, and in order to be a revolutionary, we have to have discipline in our lives. Roman 12, and two, Roman 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can prove God's good, perfect, and acceptable will for our life. It's God's good pleasure to be good to us, but we have to renew our minds so that we are doing the things according to his way, according to his plans, according to his kingdom. Being righteous is all about us doing things uh, in line with the kingdom. Our right standing is, is us being in alignment with the kingdom of God. And until we see God's promises as a prize, um, that he has made available to us, available to the faithful, we will allow our flesh to distract us and keep us off course. Until we see the promises of God as a prize, we will allow our flesh to distract us. Why? Because most of us see that the things that the flesh wants is the prize. And we see discipline as the thing that's keeping us from what we really want. But when we shift our mindset, we begin to see that the word and the will of God is the prize, right? The promises of God, that's the prize. We begin to see the fleshly desires are actually distractions. And we stop longing for those things and we start longing for the things of God. Have you ever had to work on changing your palate when you're eating? When you start to eat, you have to intentionally change your palate, which means if you're used to eating certain things, when you start eating new things, those things are not very pleasurable to your palate. But you have to keep working and pretty soon your body will begin to crave the more healthy options. So if you're used to eating only sweets and only junk food and, you're, and, and you say, I need to start to um, eat more vegetables. When you first start eating those vegetables, they don't taste very great. You know, like, oh, this is all right, but I really wish it was it was candy. You'll see it. You'll see it on social media. People go, I'm eating this this broccoli, but I'm pretending it's a cheeseburger. I'm eating this so-and-so, but I wish it was a so-and-so, right? We do that, but then the more you eat those things, the more you crave it. The more you eat the word of God, the more you crave it. At first, when you're full of the, the world, when you eat the word of God, it may be a little bitter. It may, it may be a little tough to chew, but the more you eat on that word, the more you sit with that word, the more you begin to say, mm, this is good. This is good to me. Wow. You begin to crave the word of God. You begin to want the word of God more and more. So if, if you are a person here and you say, I try to eat, uh, I try to spend time with God, but that's hard for me. Keep doing it. Stay in his presence. The more you do, the more you realize how good it is. And, and oh, here, watch this. If you eat a lot of processed sugar, fruit doesn't taste very sweet. But if you begin to stop the processed sugar and eat more fruit, the, the fruit starts to taste so sweet. In fact, you will eat some fruit and you go, whoa, that is so sweet. Why? Because your palate has changed. The things that used to make you, um, you know, get excited, they don't excite you anymore. This thing excites you. And so now a pineapple is so sweet. You're like, whoa, that is so sweet. Why? Because your taste has changed. Get into the word of God. In order to be a revolutionary, you have got to get your, you have to change the palate of your tongue. You have to change the palate of what you want to consume in your life. In order to be a revolutionary, you have to get yourself in such a place that you want the thing that God wants you to have. Amen. 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 So, 
um, go ahead. I see some putting it in there. Go ahead and share this broadcast. It's going to be good. We're going to be talking about these characteristics. And again, hopefully we will um, have time to go through. I know we're probably not going to finish all of these notes because I was adding stuff to notes and looking back, I was like, yeah, we're not going to get through all of these, but we're going to try to get to a good place um, where we can continue, right? So let's get into talking about the key characteristics of a revolutionary mindset. The key characteristics of a revolutionary mindset. Number one is that a revolutionary will have uh, a vision. They are visionaries. It says revolutionaries have clear and compelling visions of a, of a better future. Okay. So they see possibilities and opportunities that others may overlook and they use this vision to inspire and lead others. Why is vision important? Why is vision important? It's important because if you can't see any better, you will think that where you are is the best there is. If you don't have a vision of better, you will accept anything that comes your way. You will get stuck. It's very important um, that we are able to see beyond our current circumstances. It's important. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. He teaches us how to, to see beyond. Really, he talks about walking by faith. Faith is literally all about us seeing beyond what we see in the natural and seeing what God says. Faith is revolutionary. To operate in faith, you are operating as a visionary, right? And a visionary begins to see things and they have a compelling vision of a better future. What's an example of this? Hebrews 12 and 2 says that Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The scorning is shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does that scripture mean? It says that Jesus was actually physically enduring pain. He was being treated poorly. He was uh, being beat. He was being whipped. But it says for the joy set before him. Does that sound joyful to you? It doesn't sound joyful to me. If somebody's beating me, that doesn't sound joyful. If someone is hurting me and attacking me and spitting on me, there is that doesn't sound like any level of joy. But it says for the joy set before him. What was that joy? He saw the end result. He saw the uh, the perfecting of his faith. He saw that and he saw us. He saw us being able to be reconciled back to the father. He saw us in a place uh, where we could get communication back with our father. That gap, we talked in, in Victory Zone last month about salvation. And we talked about the gap that sin causes when we uh, when we were born into a life of sin, we were separated from God, but Jesus came to connect us back to the father. That's what he saw when he was being beat. He didn't, he wasn't thinking about the pain. He wasn't thinking about, oh man, that hurt so bad. Jesus had his eye on something better. A visionary is able to have their eye set on something else. So even though their current circumstance looks bad, they're able to see what God says and they're able to move forward. Are you a visionary? Uh, Martin Luther King spoke about having a dream. Again, this is visionary talk. When you start talking about, I see it in the future. I can see, I have a dream. I have a uh, a picture. I have a vision. Though That's talk of, I see it even though I don't see it. He says, I have a dream where black children will be given the same opportunities and they will not be discouraged or discriminated against based on their skin color. They will have that opportunity. That was the dream that we would be able to go and uh, be able to be the head coach at Colorado. We were able, we would be able to, to be president of the United States. He saw something that currently the circumstances 
because the circumstances that Dr. King was seeing where it said, we won't even serve you if your skin color is a certain that way. But what he said was, I'm not looking at what I see right now. I have to look further. I'm encouraging you right now. Are you a visionary? Do you see your body looking healthy or do you just say, hey, my family is big? Do you see your body whole or do you just say, this is, this is what I have? Visionary says, I'm not living in what I see right now. I am living in what God called me. And we, we are people of faith, right? We are people of faith. And so when we pray, the word of God tells us, it says, uh, you believe you receive when you pray. So when you pray, you already receive it. You begin living in what you see when you pray. You begin living in that life. You begin saying, you know what? My bank account may not show that, but I am already rich. I am already wealthy. And you begin to live in that place. That's a visionary mindset. What vision do you have? What vision has God given you? And are you operating according to what you see in through your spiritual eyes or are you operating with what you see in the natural realm? Are you operating with what you see in the spiritual realm or are you operating in that natural realm? All right. The second characteristic of a visionary is that they are determined. Let's let me just stop saying they let's say we we are determined. We are determined. Um, it says we are highly determined and persistent in pursuing our goals and driving change, even in the face of obstacles and setbacks. They remain committed to their vision. They come. We remain committed to the vision, even when obstacles and setbacks come. How do you know if you are determined? How do you know if you're determined? Well, when obstacles arise, do you say, um, what kind of mindset do you have when an obstacle arises? Do you question um, if it can be done now since there was an obstacle? Or do you just say, how are we going to get this done? That is the visionary mindset. We say, how are we going to get this thing done? Right. And so the, the visionary mindset is so important and so powerful. How do you know you're determined when obstacles arise? Do you say it can't be done or do you say, how can it be done? Determined mindsets always question the approach rather than the goal. A determined mindset questions the approach rather than the goal. When God gives you a promise and things don't appear to be working out, do you get mad at God? When God gives you a promise and it doesn't seem like it's working out, do you get angry with the father or do you say, nope, I'm going to stick with what God says. Even though there may be an obstacle, I'm not giving up on what God called me to do at all. Right. And so that's really important. After 12, um, after, after a long time, we begin to get discouraged when things don't look like they're going to happen. After a while, things begin to, to feel like it's not going to work. Uh, someone who's determined, they say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going, right? How do we know that? There is a woman with the issue of blood. She's the picture of determination. It says, after 12 years, many people would have accepted that that was their lot in life. Have you heard anybody say, I've had this for a long time, baby. If you talk to some people about healing, they just, you can tell that they have already settled that this is what they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their life. Baby, we just, this this diabetes, it ain't, it ain't nothing I can do about that. This is the so-and-so. There's nothing I can do about that. This is a diagnosis I have. They can't change that. There's no cure for this thing. Well, guess what? This woman is a great example of determination because we know that she did not just accept uh, that that was her lot in life. How do we know that? The Bible says um, that she spent all she had going to doctors, which meant she probably went to one doctor 
and and they tried to do something and that didn't work. So she goes, okay, I'm going to try this other doctor. She said, I tried the holistic approach. Let me go over here and try this other approach. Let me try another approach. And every time she was trying different approaches, it was spending all of her money. So it says that she had spent all of her money, which means she was not accepting that this was just her lot in life. Again, what are we talking about? Being determined. This was an attitude of, I'm going to keep going until I receive what I what I believe is mine. She kept going. She she kept going. And she probably, again, went to all these different types of doctors. And then she heard about Jesus and his power. And she says, I believe if I can touch the hem of his garment, uh, I can be made whole. She believed that if she could touch the hem of his garment, she could be made whole. But how do we see that she was determined? Because in order for her, her to get in contact with the hem of his garment, she had to put her very life at risk, which means she says, I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing what I want to do as far as getting um, getting close to my solution. How many of you have gotten to a place where you said, I'm not going to stop? You got a word that they're talking about something about your kids. You get a negative report about your body. You get a negative report about your health. How many of you say, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to read another book. I'm going to I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek wisdom. I'm going to do the things that takes because I'm determined to do and see what God promised me. How many of you are that determined? You must be determined, yes, to go all the way. And that woman was a great picture of saying, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Even if I have to be um, put myself out there. That's what she did. She put herself out there. She says, I can get caught. I could get in big trouble if they catch me trying to touch the master's garment. But guess what? I'm not going to stop because I'm going to keep going because I believe my yes is out there. I believe my healing is out there. I believe the promises of God. They are there. They are available to me. And if I don't see them here, that doesn't mean that they're not available. And so I'm going to keep going until I receive what God promised me. So revolutionary mindset is a mindset that is what? Determined, determined. If you watched the game last night um, at halftime, it was it was not great for Colorado University, right? It wasn't it wasn't great going into halftime. They were there were some mistakes. There has actually been an injury, and so you're saying, "Oh man, what are they going to do?" They said, "We're going to go in. We're going to make some adjustments, and we're not going to stop. We're going to come out, and we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep going until we receive." what God has promised us. How many of you have ever received anything that looked like in the natural, it was not for you? Go ahead and put that in the comments. If you've ever had a determined mindset and you said, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop because I believe it's out there and I'm going to go and I'm going to receive what God has for me. Number three, when we're talking about the, the care of a revolutionary, they are resilient revolutionaries are resilient. Re resiliency. What is that? It's about your ability to bounce back. Re revolutionaries bounce back from failure and setback, learning from their experiences and using them as stepping stones. Stop. Learning from their experiences and using them as stepping stones towards progress. As a parent, as a spouse, as a child of God, you are going to make some mistakes, okay? You are going to make some mistakes. That is going to happen. However, 
that is not the, the magnitude that we're judging. What we're talking about is learning from those mistakes and moving forward. All of us have done some things and we go, oh, that wasn't smart. That wasn't smart at all. But revolution, revolutionaries are resilient. They don't just look at it and say, oh, I failed. So I'm just going to stay here. They said we get back up. Resiliency, again, is the ability to bounce back. Resilience is a response to tragedy, crisis or other life altering changes that allow us to move on in a healthy way despite the loss or trauma. I'm going to read that again. Resiliency is a response to tragedy, crisis or other life altering changes that allow us to move on in a healthy way despite the loss of trauma. Have you ever seen two people experience the same situation and one person is still stuck in that situation 20 years later and the other person has has written five books about it and they're 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 on a bestseller and they are at they're they're going for it why because one person was was resilient and one person got stuck. Go ahead and look at your your virtual neighbor and say I will not get stuck. I will not get stuck resiliency says, yes, that thing happened, but I, I got that bounce back in me. I got that bounce back in me. Yes, yes. Uh, get up, dust yourself off and keep moving forward. Why? Because we are, um, we are resilient people. Hallelujah. Now, how can you be more resilient? One of the ways that we can become more resilient is to learn to reframe situations in our life. Reframing is a technique used to shift your mindset to be able to look at a situation or a person or uh, relationships from a different perspective. You look at it from a different perspective. So if something happens to you, if you always go, oh Lord, why me? Stuff always happens to me. It's just, it's just I'm just not a, a blessed person. I'm just not lucky. I got bad luck. I all that kind of stuff. Guess what? You have already determined that that's that's how how your life is going to turn out. But other people say this thing happened to me. This thing happened to me and I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to learn from this thing. That's not going to be the end of it. And we see countless situations and countless examples of people who had setbacks and they just determined that they were going to come. Somebody, Michael Jordan, you always hear the story of Michael Jordan um, getting cut when I think he was in junior high, got cut from the team and came back. And, and now what do we have? We literally still talk about Michael Jordan. Why? It arguably one of the greatest players to ever play the game, right? And so why are we why do we talk about the time he got cut? Because people like to understand that every time to be on top, it's not always that you start on top and you stay on top. Sometimes you may start at the very bottom, go to the top, go back down, fall and and, and but resilience says when I go down, I'm I'm coming up learning. When I go down, I come back growing. When I go down, I come back stronger, smarter, um more capable of 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 having different experiences. You know, so many times people just give up. They give up instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to have something better. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get discouraged. Discouragement is the um, is the kryptonite to having a resilient mindset. Discouragement comes in to say it didn't work the last time. Why would you try? But a resilient person says it didn't work the last time, but I learned. And so this time I'm going to learn from that so that it'll work the next time. Even if they have to do that 15 times or 20 times, resiliency says I'm not going to get discouraged. And even when discouragement comes now, I'm not saying discouragement will never come. Discouragement will come. 
it will come and it will try to talk to you. But the uh, revolutionary mindset says, I see your discouragement, but what I'm going to do is raise you encouragement. What I'm going to do is I see your discouragement and I'm going to raise you faith and I'm going to walk in faith and I'm going to surround myself with people that can encourage me when discouragement tries to surround me. I'm going to surround myself with the word of God so that when discouragement starts to say, you know, the last time you tried to start that business, and it didn't work out. You might as well give up. I'm going to surround myself with people of faith that can speak into my life. I'm going to open my own mouth and I'm going to say what God called me to say. Hallelujah. Now, let's get into this one, because I think this next point is super important, especially for this body of Christ. The revolutionary mindset has to be willing to take a risk. So you have to be a risk taker. Risk taking is a part of being a revolutionary. How many of you know that and how many of you um, can admit that that you don't like taking risks? Raise your hand if you don't like taking risks. But you have to be willing to take a calculated risk to achieve your objective. This may involve challenging established norms, trying new approaches or venturing into the unknown. Oh, my gosh, that sounds so much like faith. That sounds so much like faith, going out and not being able to see it in the natural, but just stepping out on 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 God's word. Doesn't that sound like faith? Venturing into the unknown. Abraham, follow me to a land that I will show you. Doesn't that sound like faith? Doesn't risk taking sound like faith? Sounds like faith to me, too, Pastor Edwin. It sounds like faith. If you are going to be a uh a, a revolutionary, you have to be willing to take a risk. Step out there. If you're willing to take that change, guess what? That chance, amazing things can happen. Some people are stuck because their risk tolerance is so level, so low. What do you mean? Risk, risk tolerance means any little threat to, to what, what I'm familiar with, I run. Go, hey, you want to invest? In, that might cost me $5. I can, I'm not doing that. If it's, if it's not the path that they've always taken, they're not interested in learning any more about it. If it's not the path you've always taken, you don't want to hear anything else about it. God gave uh, you a word about something in life. You have to look at your current skill level and say, if God told me that, that I could be a six-figure earner, but I don't have the skills Maybe I need to go and take some more classes. Maybe I need to do this. But you're so stuck with saying, well, if this is all the skills I got, I guess this is all I can do. No, you may have to go out and take a risk on um, getting in those classes, signing up. You go, I haven't been in school in 20 years. Okay, well, go now. <laughs> go now. If God says, and it's not always about going back to college or going back to school. It may just be getting a mentor. It may be signing up for or learning some things through books or e-learning. But I'm telling you the truth. You have to be willing to get outside of your comfort zone. Um, the truth is God has told many of us to do something new, but we keep going back to the thing that's familiar. We keep going back to the thing that's familiar. God told you to do something new. And every time you stepped out of something new and you tried it and it looked a little bit tough, you retreated. There is, you can't be a revolutionary if you retreat every time something scares you. You can't be a revolutionary if you just retreat every time something unfamiliar is there. Because unfamiliar is going to have to start being familiar when you're walking by faith. OK, again, I, I say this often, but I say the comfort zone is actually not comfortable. It's just familiar. The comfort zone is not comfortable. It's just familiar. In order to be a revolutionary, you have to 
of your comfort zone and do what God called you to do. Get out. We're talking about Abraham, right? God said, Abraham, let me take you away from your family. Let me take you away from the area that you already know to a place I will show you. What? Let me get you out of these people. What What do I mean when I'm talking about that comfort zone? Some, the comfort zone are the people that you surround yourself with. Because watch this. If God called you to make six figures and everybody you know is, is making about 40,000, 40, 50,000, everybody, when you start talking about making six figures, that comfort zone will say, you'll be fine right here. That comfort zone will talk you out of going after the thing that God told you to go after because they are familiar with that. And, and, and we talked about this last week, Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin talked about what happens is it challenges their status quo. So when you decide that you're going to believe for a six figure job or you're going to believe for a six figure career or you're going to believe to be able to have a healthy marriage or you're going to believe that your children are not going to be um in prison, you're going to believe that your children are going to be able to do these amazing things. You're going to believe for a better life, the life uh, that God promised us. You're going to believe for that that uh, John 10 and 10 life, life more abundantly. That's the life you begin to lead. What that does is highlight the fact that they also have that opportunity, that, but they're choosing to stay in a very familiar place. And so that can be offensive. In order to be a revolutionary, it is going to be offensive to some people. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be one anyways. Do you understand that things that shake up the status quo oftentimes are very controversial? They are very um, offensive at times. Do it anyways. Do what God told you to do anyways. Pastor Sean gave the example last week about when they decided to stop eating pork. So I want to talk about how being a revolutionary um, is, is all about taking that risk, right? They said, we're going to stop eating pork. And, and it was a risk when when friends and family started to learn that they didn't didn't eat pork because their friends and family started to talk. You think you're better than us? You think that? Well, watch this. This is why your environment is so important. I was around the Stricklands and they started talking about not eating pork. I hadn't ever thought about not eating pork. I grew up from Beard in Arkansas. We eat pork, baby. We eat pork. We eat bacon. We eat sausage. We eat all of those things. That was a part of my lifestyle and I enjoyed it. Um, and I didn't stop eating pork because God or because the Strickland stopped eating pork. But having the conversation with them and hearing them opened my ears to be able to hear God about it. Right. And so one day I'm riding down the street and God tells me, I need you to stop eating pork. I go, oh, OK. Why? And he didn't say anything about the Stricklands. He told me about he reminded me of he says, you have your grandparents and three of the four of your grandparents have died from heart attacks. I need you to stop eating pork. Oh, say less. Okay, why? But I needed to be around some people, their willingness to take a risk, to follow God and do what he told them to do, opened my ears to be able to hear it and to be able to hear God to say, you need to stop eating it. Now, listen, I'm not telling y'all to stop eating pork. You should probably hear God though. I'm saying it was the avenue for me to be able to hear God because he began to say to me about something. And so I stopped eating pork. And again, 
there are other people. Now, my mama doesn't eat pork. My baby doesn't eat pork. Why are we talking about this? Because you have to be willing to know that there are people that will talk about your decision. Uh, when you take a risk, there'll be people that are going to disagree and, and be offended by it. That doesn't mean you need to stop because what God tells you is for you. He knows your DNA. He knows the things that are in your bloodline. There are things that somebody else needs, and this is not in my notes, but there are some things that God will tell you to do that he may not tell your neighbor to do because he knows what's in your bloodline. I'm telling you this. If God tells you to do something and it seems like he's not telling everybody else to do it, he knows what's in your bloodline. He is trying to save you from destruction. Obey God. Take the risk. Take the step. Even if it's something that sounds outlandish, do what God told you to do because he is trying to break a generational curse off of your life. He is trying to uh, set your future up for success. He's trying to help it so your kids can live long and strong. He's trying to help you so you can be uh, prosperous so your grandchildren won't have to struggle. He is trying to do something amazing in your bloodline, but it's going to take somebody in the bloodline to just obey him and take the risk. Hallelujah and amen. Again, that was not in my notes. In order to be a risk taker, you have to be willing to do something different. Ecclesiastes, um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go back. We often talk about our comfort zone um, because it, if we call it comfortable when actually it's not, it's just familiar. When Peter walked on the water, he had to be willing to take a risk. Peter walked on the water because he was willing to get out of the boat. When we take a risk, every endeavor may not turn out the way we think it's going to turn out. Now, that's important. That's important to understand. We're talking about taking a risk. Every endeavor may not turn out the way you want it to do. You may step out and start the business and you think, oh, man, I'm about to sell these T-shirts and my life is going to change. Selling those T-shirts and you start selling and then it's it, it, it goes down. Right. And your sales go down or something happens or a pandemic hits or whatever happens. Right. And you go, well, I thought the T-shirts were going to be my my avenue to the to the wealthy life. I thought this was going to be my avenue to the wealthy life. And you can get discouraged. But you have to understand that it's not all about um, just one step. God may have said start the T-shirt business. And then that went for a while, because at some point you have to recognize God is trying to take you from faith to faith. Right. From faith to faith not just from faith, from faith to faith. So he may say, start the t-shirt business. And when that doesn't work, he's trying to show you somewhere else. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet and he says, go and I'm going to, he said, go to this brook where I'm going to sustain you. And, and the prophet went to that brook and there was, uh, I think, ravens there that was sustaining the prophet of God. And then the brook dried up. Watch this. God said, the brook dried up, but I told you to go somewhere else. That's what happens when we're talking about taking calculated risks. It seems like a risk. He went and he took, he went to the brook. The brook dried up. And some people would say, well, God, you taught, you brought me out here to this brook just for it to dry up. And they would have started complaining. He says, I'm taking you from faith to faith. I'm taking you to a new place. So the brook sustained you for a while. So the t-shirt business may have sustained you for a while, but now he's trying to take you over here to do something else. He's trying to take you from faith to faith, from level to level, from glory to glory. He's trying to take you to different places. So just because because you put your hand to it and it may prosper for a while and then it may not prosper the way you think it's going to. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take more risk. God is trying to level you up and learn from each of those experiences. Don't give up just because your hand touched something and it seemed like it didn't prosper. Did you learn? Did you grow? Did you change? 
Are you growing? Okay. So again, many people see that as a reason to never take another risk. They'll say, I tried to sell those t-shirts that didn't work. I'm not going to ever do this. I'm going to just stay in this job where I know my paycheck, even though my paycheck is not enough, at least I can count on it. I'm never going to take another risk, but you have to be determined and resilient. And when you learn from the process, you come back better and better every time. Ecclesiastes 11th chapter, the first through the third verse says, cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight for thou knowest not the evil that is upon the earth. Watch this. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. This scripture shows us the value of taking a risk. This scripture shows us the value of taking a risk because it says give a portion to seven and to eight. Why? Because there are things that will happen um, that 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 may throw you off a little bit. There are some things and it says you don't know what's going to prosper this or that. So you give and, and you sow, you work, you give, you sow. Why? As believers, we often have our visions are too narrow. So how many times have you heard someone say they wanted to be a singer, but they actually got their big break in acting? Or they wanted to be an actor, but they got their first big break into singing. God wants to, wants you to invest in, in, in you. God wants you to invest in the word. God wants you to invest in your health. He wants you to sow. He wants you to invest. He wants you to do all of those things because you don't know which one is about to pop out first. But he needs you to be prepared in any of those areas. So it may be you're sowing that you get a huge harvest, but it may be you're sowing and you're working. It may be you're working and, and you're investing. It may be all of those things. Watch this. Once it starts flowing, it starts flowing. But you got to you gotta put enough seed out there in different areas. It's seed is not always just so sending a cash app to your pastor. That is good. And we believe in sending um, financial seeds to our man and woman of God. We believe in sowing into our brothers and sisters. We believe in promotional sowing. We believe in upward sowing. We believe in peer sowing. We believe in sowing to the poor. We believe in all of those things, but we also believe in investing. We also believe in working. We also believe in going back to school, getting more skills so you can apply for a job that makes more money. We also believe in doing all of those things because we know not the evil that is upon the earth. And so God says, I want you to be prepared to take a risk. And when we're talking about risk, again, we're not talking about being foolish. It says taking a calculated risk, which means sometimes you may take a risk and you actually may lose money. You may make an investment. The investment doesn't work. Um, the investment doesn't, uh, I'm sorry, doesn't give you the, the, the increase, the return on investment that you had anticipated. You may actually lose some money. That doesn't mean you stop investing. That means you go, okay, so what happened with that? How can I learn from this investment? And the more you learn, the more you grow, you begin to see how God is teaching you. Anyone who is doing something in life worth talking about have had to make some investments. I'm asking you, what does God ask you to invest in that you are not? I know he is. I know somebody God has told you, you need to go get some different skills. And you say, but I'm all, I'm I'm 50. I can't go back to school. God told you, I need you to, to do this. And you say, I'm, I'm this. I can't do that. God already knows about your DNA. God already knows your age. God already knows your financial situation. And in fact, the reason he gave you the instruction is because he already knows about your DNA. He already knows how old you are. He already knows about your financial situation. So he's telling you to do these things because he's trying to prosper you. You have to be willing to take a risk. And with God, you won't fail. With God, you won't fail. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
participate in your own rescue. So many of us are like Naaman and we think that the, the rescue has to come a certain way. When Naaman had leprosy, he went to the man of God and he was like, will you heal me? Will you cure me? And the man of God said, go and dip in the Jordan River. Naaman was like, no, nah, I don't really want that cure. I want you to come and lay hands on me. I want a big to do. I want a big to. Most of us say we want God to come down and say, you have been faithful in your prayer time and here is a million dollars. Well, what if God says you have been faithful in your prayer time and here is a strategy? What if God says you have been faithful in your sowing? Here is a strategy. God's ways are not going to just fall out of the sky and, and you just have millions of dollars in your bank account. The fat is, you're not just going to wake up and the fat is gone and muscle is there. You're not just going to, you have to get up. Even if you say, uh, that doesn't sound like much of a risk for some people to say, you know what? I may not be able to walk three miles every day, but I am going to get up every day and I'm going to walk to my mailbox. That's strategy. That's taking a risk, saying I'm investing in myself. I believe if I can just start walking and moving my body, if I can just do these things, if I can do it, God will put some super on top of my natural. But we got to give him some natural to put some super on. Amen. Amen. So we have to watch um, that when we work with God, it always works for our good, even if we don't we can't see how it's working for our good. Now, a revolutionary mindset is a mindset that is full of problem solving skills. I don't really know why people think in the body of Christ when we get saved, we're supposed to forget how to think. We are not. We are not supposed to just forget how to think. We are supposed to live according to the word of God. Okay. So problem solving skills, revolutionaries excel at problem solving skills and critical thinking. They approach challenges with creativity and they find innovative solutions when facing tough times. When facing tough times, oftentimes what we do is panic. We tend to panic when things get tough. God gives us a word and we shout. Right. How many of you have ever gotten a word from God um, at, at church or in your prayer time or in your study time? And you got so excited about that word. But then life started happening and you started to panic. That is not what we're talking about. Problem solving says we're not going to panic. We're going to look at this thing and we're going to figure something out. So what happens when we panic? Our brain goes into our default mode, which is survival mode. And our brains are not as clear or as creative when we are in survival mode. Our brains are literally just trying to survive. In order to engage in problem solving, you need to calm yourself. How do you calm yourself? You allow the word of God to be your anchor. You allow the word of God to be your anchor that calms you. And you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to teach you and bring creative solutions. You allow, So you say, oh my gosh, I got this bill coming up. I got this bill and, and I, I'm scared. And so you start to panic. You start to panic and you just start. You don't know what to do. Instead of saying, you know what? The word of God is my my anchor. So Holy Spirit, show me the strategy. Show me as believers. Too many of us just sit back and we want God to just take care of it for us. God, you saw that bill. Can you just take care of it for me? What we, yeah, he can take care of it, but he may take care of it through giving you instruction. As believers, again, we, we have to remember our job is to believe and obey. It's important that we recognize and operate in problem solving skill. There's a story in Second King, and it happens that four lepers were sitting outside of the city gates. And one of them basically said to the other. So there was there was famine. Right. 
and that they were lepers, you know, all the, the ceremonial laws about lepers and being able to go in. And so they were sitting out and they said, what are we going to do? Are we going to just sit here at death's door? If we enter the famine stricken city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances at the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. Ooh, that's good right there. They said, watch this. We're, they're going to employ problem solving and they had to be willing to take a risk because they were what? They had a revolutionary mindset. It says, I'm going to read this one more time. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. So we don't have anything to lose. If we stay here, we're guaranteed death. If we go in, we got at least a 50-50 chance. So what they start to do is start to look at their, they, they looked at the situation and said, okay, what can we do? Here, we have certain death. All right, let's take that chance off the table. Over here, we have 50% chance of death. Hmm, I'm going to take my chances with the 50 because it's a chance I can get in there and they can have mercy on us and we may actually live. But watch this. If you actually go back and read the scripture, it's in Second King. It's um, it says after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram. When they got to the edge of the camp, surprise, not a man in the camp. The master had made the army of Aram hear the sounds of horses and a mighty army of the march. They told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. Panic, they ran for their lives and through the darkness, abandoned tents, horses, the whole camp, just as it was running for dear life. Watch this, though. These four lepers entered the camp and went into the tent. First, they ate and drank. Then they grabbed silver, gold and clothing and went off and hid. They came back and entered another tent and looted it again, hiding their plunder. Now, there's more to the story, and I'm not going to get into the rest of that story right now. What I want you to see is because they took a risk and they used problem solving skills, they set themselves up instead of certain death. They end up living and having more. They ended up with with. Uh, the food that they needed to survive, but they also received other positive things in their life. Why? You have to be willing to take a risk and work your problem solving skills. They could have just sat there and said, hey, we lepers, we're going to die. Hey, we lepers and we're hungry and it's a famine. We're definitely going to die. Most of us have said, hey, I'm black. We're certainly going to be broke. Hey, I'm a black woman. We're certainly going to be broke. Hey, I'm a black woman with some kids. Certainly going to be broke. Or do you say, you know what? I'm a black woman and I'm smart and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to get a job that pays me more. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get a job that that can provide. I'm going to use the skills, the necessary things that God gave me, even if it's not about getting getting a degree, even if it's just the skills that God gave me. I'm going to do the thing that God told me to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do those things. And I am going to live a life that is pleasing to God and the life that he promised. Why? Because God gives us the ability to use our brain. God did not take away our ability to be strategic thinkers when we got saved. We, he wants us to live by faith, but faith is not about being stupid. Faith is about taking calculated risks. Faith is about thinking through the process and making calculated decisions. We are not, um, we are not here just to live a life of, of mindlessness. Go in and say, okay, if I, if I don't have enough money in, in this field, this is as high as I can go. Do I need to go to another field? 
or if I'm at this level, if I there's another level I can go into my current field, how can I get to that level? Let me use my problem solving skills. And I'm not going to get there are so many stories where people in the word of God show problem solving skills. There's even a story where a man was unjust and he used unjust unjust ways, but he set himself up to be taken care of using problem solving skills. And when Jesus talks about it, he actually commends the unjust man for using problem solving. Why? Because God is saying, I do not want you out here. Now he's not commending him being unjust. What he's commending is that man's ability to say, Hey, I'm in a bad situation. Let me think of how I can do it. As kingdom citizens, we are supposed to say, how do I use my brain and apply it and have uh, integrity so that I'm walking according to the ways that God would be pleased with. Amen. Okay, we are at what almost an we're at an hour already. Let's go over a few more of these characteristics again. We're not gonna gonna finish um, all of these. A revolutionary is passionate. They are deeply passionate about their cause and their vision, and this passion fuels their motivation um, and their energy. It inspires them and others around. The revolutionaries are passionate. It's not just a trendy phase. Okay, so when you're passionate about something, it's not just because everybody on social media is doing it. You know, what was it? What the health? A lot of people watched that and then they became uh, vegans for a little while. And then after it faded off, they were like, eh, not so much. Or they 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 see some trend and they go, I'm going to start doing that. And they do it. And then they go, oh, that's not popular anymore. I'm going to just fade away. Passionate people don't just fade away. They stay passionate. They they are motivated and they inspire others around them. When you say you're passionate, um, you're reading books, you're growing, you're learning. How do you know if you're passionate? What are you talking about? How do you know if you're passionate? Listen to what you talk about. Listen to how you or watch how you do your life. That'll tell you if you're passionate about something or not. Are you trying to learn more? Are you trying to grow? Are you trying to um be your best self. If you are, that's going to show up. Jeremiah, the 20th chapter in the ninth verse says, then I said, I will not make mention of him, uh, nor speak more of his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. What does that mean? Like if you grew up as a church kid, what does that mean? Man, Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones, right? Jeremiah said, I'm not going to talk about this, this again. I'm not going to talk about this, God. I'm not going to talk about it. But but the more he says, I can't talk about it, it starts burning. And he was like, I can't help it. It's in me. When you're passionate about something, it's going to come out of you. When you're passionate about something, they're going to be able to hear it because it's going to come up. And you're going you're gonna to talk about it even when you say you're not going to talk about it. When you're passionate, and, and where I say talking, but I'm not just talking about talking. You're going to live that life consistent even when you say you're or not. So you say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and forget this eating healthy. I'm going to, I'm going to have me some cheat days. I'm just going to eat whatever I want to. And you will do that and you'll eat something. You go, you know what? I'm not going to do this to my body. Let me go on back over here and, and eat the way I want, I, the way I, I'm accustomed to eating. Because when you're passionate about something, you're committed to it. And that revolutionary mindset is contagious because when other people start to see you doing that, they go, it's something different about that person. How how they you are inspiring to them. They are inspired. Have you ever been around somebody and you just get inspired? They are inspiring you. They're not telling you to do it, but you just get inspired because they are so passionate about something. That's the way God wants us to be about receiving and living the life that he created for us to live. That's the way he wants us to be about him. 
we as, as believers, if you can go days and days and you never talking about God, are you passionate? Do you know him? Because the word of God says, taste and see that he's good. Once you taste and see, man, he's so good. You're going to be talking about it. But even when you say, I'm not going to talk about it again, you'll you'll find out. I was going to say mess around. You'll mess around and find out um, that you can't keep it to yourself because you start thinking about his goodness. You start thinking about his grace. You start thinking about those things. And it just comes up. Um, another characteristics of a revolutionary mindset is adaptability. Revolutionaries are flexible and adaptable capable of just adjusting their strategies as circumstances change. They embrace change as a natural part of the journey. If you are not um, flexible or, or adaptable, you break easily. That's in the physical and that's also spiritually speaking. If you, if you're not, if you, if you don't have any bend, you break. You have to be willing to be flexible and adaptable. Now, watch this. We're not talking about our standards and our morality. We're talking about the approach to things, right? So in order to embrace uh, growth, we have to embrace adaptability. People who refuse to let things go stay stuck and they cannot grow. When COVID hit, a lot of churches really, really a lot of churches didn't make it, if we're going to be honest, but a lot of churches struggled because they were so committed to one way of doing things and they did not want to be flexible. And we are so thankful again, give a shout out to our pastors for them being flexible and saying, let's take this, let's take this show on the road, i.e. Facebook. Let's take this show on the road, i.e. social media, right? Um, so when COVID hit, Fellowship of Champions was prepared to shift and we went straight uh, online and our ministry actually grew. Our ministry grew in a time when a lot of churches uh, did not grow. Our ministry was growing because we were willing to be flexible and adaptable. We did it early and with a good attitude. And as a result, Fellowship of Champions is now stronger, larger impact um, than ever before, because we understood that we had to be flexible and adaptable. Being determined without adaptability will have you running into a wall over and over again. I'm going to say that again. So we say being determined is a part of being uh, having a revolutionary mindset. But if you are determined without adaptability, you'll just keep running into a wall without any any breakthrough. So we want you to be determined so determination says keep going. Adaptability says keep going, making the necessary adjustments uh, as you go to minimize loss, harm or injury and maximize profit, benefits and wins. I'm going to read that again. Determination says keep going. Adaptability says keep going, making the necessary adjustments as you go to minimize loss, harm or injury and maximize profit, benefits and wins. So we want you to be determined, but you also have to be adaptable because, see, that's the problem. Some of us are determined, but the course of action sucks. So you're determined and you just go, I'm just going to keep on. I'm just going to keep on doing the same thing. It's not working, but I'm keep doing the same thing. That's determination. Keep doing it. You just keep hitting that wall. You just keep hitting that wall. So you know what? It's a door right there. If I'm adaptable, I go. I'm going to open that door. I'm going to be determined to get out the room. The goal, Pastor Sean says it like this. She says, be uh, committed to your goal, but flexible in your approach. So you running into the wall and there's a whole door right there. 
be flexible in your approach and stop hurting your head. Stop hurting your head. Every time you say, God, I believe that you have beautiful love for me, but I keep running into the wall with the same kind of man. So maybe I need to be flexible in my approach. Maybe I need to get some other people to help me. Uh oh, maybe I need to um, actually do what God told me to do when it comes to dating. And maybe I need to I need to do something different. Maybe I need to stop dating the people that, that I know they're not saved. Maybe I need to stop dating them. Maybe I need to say, oh, he's not spiritually mature. I, I, this is not a missions project. I'm, 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 I'm out here and I would desire a spouse. I can't do mission projects anymore. I have to stop that. Maybe I have to do something different. I can be committed to my goal, but I have to be willing to be adaptable to see what God says. You know what? You've been working out. And, and you, you're not losing weight. You go, well, maybe I have to be flexible in the way I'm eating. Maybe I have to look at some things differently because I'm do, determination and adaptability have to go hand in hand. Otherwise, you will be frustrated and discouraged. The mindset of a revolutionary says I have to be adaptable in my approach. Amen. That is that is important and that is powerful. Now, another mindset of a revolutionary is we have to be empathetic. We have to be able to understand the needs and concerns of others, which then connects us with people to build coalitions for change. In order to be empathetic, you have to be able to humble yourselves and see things from a different perspective. You have to be able to see things from a different perspective. Watch this. In order to be a revolutionary, you have to be able to work with others, <laughs> work with others. Empathetic means understanding, but not enabling or co-signing. Enabling is when you just, you're, I'm just going to do everything for them. They don't have to do any work. Co-signing says, I'm going to co-sign your sins. I'm not going to, no, we can be empathetic to the struggle without co-signing sin. We can be empathetic to the issue without us enabling other people. We can be understanding and empowering. We can be understanding and empowering. It's hard to be empathetic and judgmental. I'm going to just leave that one for a second. It's hard to be empathetic and judgmental, but Jesus models empathy when he responds to the woman with adultery. He says, hey, I'm going to tell you that you are free, but I'm also going to tell you don't, don't go and keep sinning, ma'am. <laughs> he wrote in the sand and those accusers were gone. And he says, hey, I have empathy because I understand that, that you may have desires in your flesh. I understand that. I'm going to have some empathy, but I'm also going to tell you to stop doing that. Well, OK, you can be empathetic and empowering. What did he do? He empowered her to be free from the sin. He empowered her to be free from the sin. So in order for us to be empathetic, we have to be willing to say, I see you and I can even understand why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm going to empower you to know you don't have to stay stuck with doing what you're doing. You have to be willing to do that. And you can do that without judgment, right? So he understands and he responds. How do we also know that Jesus was empathetic? When Jesus fed the 5,000, his disciples said, they, they've been out here all day. We need to send these people home because I know they're hungry. They're hungry. And Jesus said, don't send these people away hungry. Sit them down. We'll feed them. What was that? He understood. He says, I know what it's like to make a journey and to, to come to hear the word of God. They are hungry. We send these people out now. They may not make it back. It's not like they had to just drive, jump in their car and drive with AC and they could stop at a Chick-fil-A down the road. No, this was a whole ordeal. If they were out there hungry, they were out there 
It could be literally, it may have been days before they could get to food. Jesus says, sit them down. We got to do something now. He says, I understand that God is not a savior that does not understand that we have desires in our flesh. God is not a savior that doesn't understand. We want to go off on people when they talk crazy to us. God is not a God that does not understand that when somebody does us wrong, we may want to punch them in their face or as Pastor Sean say, smush them in their face. God is a God that understands, but he says, I'm not only going to understand, I'm going to empower you to be able to overcome. He understood that they were hungry. He understands that we want to fill our bodies with things that taste good. He understands that. The understanding does not mean that we now can just do whatever we want to do. He says, I understand and now let me empower you. And so in order for us to be empathetic and be a change in the world, we can't go out there and just be judgmental every time we see somebody that needs help. We can't forget what it's like to be lost, scared, or selfish, right? We must show empathy to others and empower them. So when you see somebody, rather than making a judgment call against them, they're able to say, you know what? I remember feeling this way. Because you may not have experienced the same thing that someone else experienced to know how it's something feels, to to have experienced the same feeling. You may not have ever been shamed in the same way, but you probably have experienced some level of shame. So you can say, I know what it's like to feel shame and and to want to protect yourself in this way. But let me show you a different way. In order for us to really be change agents in the world, when people come to us, we can't be, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they. No, we have to show empathy and empower them. One of the best things that I love about being a counselor is when people come in and they will say, I know you're going to judge me or I know you're going to think I'm a bad person because of this. And when they share that thing that they think is so dark and they share that thing that they think is so ugly and they think it's um, it's it's, it's going to blow my mind. And when I listen to it and I go, wow. I, I can under I can understand or maybe I don't even say I can understand. I just I just sit with them and have a moment of under of. Uh, of empathy with them to say, I can see why you did what you did. There's a sense of relief. There's a sense of safety because they say, she's not here to judge me. Watch this. When they realize I'm not there to judge them, they are now open to hear other feedback. When you come in and you're all about judgment and you're all about being harsh to people and you did this, you brought this on yourself. You're so critical. A critical spirit is not from God. Okay, I want to I want you to hear that a critical spirit is not from God. God is not a critical God. He is a God. He corrects us. He challenges us, but he does not sit around and criticize us. And so if you are being critical, you have to ask yourself, why am I being so critical to on others or maybe even yourself? Stop being so critical with yourself. God says you, he wants us to have empathy for others and their pain. And he wants us to be in position to, um, to incite a sense of change so that they can be empowered. So again, we want to make sure that we are operating from that place of empathy, love, and power. Um, this one's good. We, uh, uh, A spirit of a revolutionary is communicative. What does that mean? Open communication is a key trait and they articulate their vision and ideas clearly, rallying support and motivating others for their cause. Let's go back. If you're critical, ain't nobody trying to to follow your vision. (laughs) 
Nobody's trying to follow you when you all use all you're doing is criticizing people. I remember this man that used to come on campus at the university. Um, and he would they called him Moses. I don't know what the man's real name was, but he would literally stand out at the um at the front of the student union and he would basically just condemn everybody, right? So he wasn't clearly communicating effectively his key traits. He was just telling everybody how we were all sinful and everybody was going to hell. Um, he didn't have a great vision of how to inspire people for change. He was being critical. However, Moses, Chris, you remember Moses. However, um, Pastor Strickland, when he starts talking about vision, he, he's articulating that so clearly. So even people who aren't believers are falling in line. He begins to say, we want to help um, send students to school um, as much as possible debt-free, right? As much as we can do. We want to help students to, to ease that load. We want to do that. People begin to get on board because he's communicating the vision very clearly. He's saying, this isn't about me. This is about helping these students to live a successful life and not have to be burdened down when they're on campus with the weight of trying to figure out how they are going to uh, pay for school because he can clearly articulate it. He can clearly say, this is where the money's going. He can clearly say, um, this is why we're doing it. People begin to say, I want to be a part of that. Are you able to articulate the things that God has put into your heart so that people can, can listen and want to support those things that God has put in your heart? Or are you just going, People need to help more. And are you just are you are you fussing on social media because you don't feel like you're getting support? Or are you saying, hey, you know what? I need to clearly articulate what God has placed in my heart, because when you do that, people follow vision, not complaining. People follow vision, not complaining. And so it's important that we open ourselves up to really clearly articulate and effectively communicate the things that God has placed in our hearts. All right, here's one more, and we'll, we'll probably actually close here. Um, in order to be a revolutionary or have a revolutionary mentality, you have to be open-minded. While they, uh, they have strong vision, they have to be open to feedback, diverse perspectives, and collaborations. They recognize that collaborative efforts often lead to greater success. Now, revolutionary mindsets recognize that they don't have all the answers. They don't have all the answers. They may say, I've got uh, this part of the answer, but somebody else has another part. Have you ever ran into a company and it's called so-and-so and so-and-so, Smith and, and Strickland Consulting, uh, Johnson and, and Thompson Waterproofing, whatever, right? Why? Because one person had a piece of the puzzle and another person had another piece of the puzzle. And they said, if we get together, we don't have to just be Johnson so-and-so. We can be Johnson and Smith. Why? Because if we put these things together, we can be better. Maybe Johnson knew how to do business and, and Smith knew how to do the waterproofing and said, hey, my waterproofing business is really going to suck if I don't know how to do the business. And this man over here says, I can do the business, but I don't know how to I don't have a good product to sell. They said, let's collaborate. What happens when we put it together? We open ourselves up for a greater impact. Many people are missing the promise because they refuse to be open to collaboration. When we collaborate rather than compete, we are stronger together. Research even shows that companies that truly embrace diversity in action and not just in mission statement are stronger. Being open-minded requires humility. Being open-minded requires humility. Why? Because we're saying, I don't know it all. 
it requires us saying, hey, I'm open to some feedback. Watch this. As believers, we still have to be committed to doing things according to the word of God and his standards. So we can say, I don't have all the answers, but there are certain things I cannot budge on. And that is doing things God's way. So, for example, when uh, the last time I think it was the last time I, I taught, but talked about Daniel and Daniel saying, I'm going to do things according to the kingdom of God. But he also had to do some things that the king said, as long as it didn't violate the kingdom. Oh, watch that. He did things in collaboration with the people he was working with, as long as it didn't violate the things of the kingdom. So so we could get, go out there and help uh, another religion pass out food for homeless people because we're not violating anything with the kingdom. But what we're not going to do is go and start praying to a different God because that violates things of the kingdom. Does that make sense? You can collaborate, but you still have to maintain integrity with the kingdom of God because we operate as believers. We operate with a kingdom perspective. So yes, we can collaborate with a group that may not believe exactly like us if we're doing kingdom work. But what we will never do is violate or um stray from the principles of the kingdom of God in order so that we can collaborate. So we collaborate, um, but we also maintain integrity with the kingdom. I hope that makes sense. Um, Y'all let me know if that makes sense, because I want us to understand we can work with other people, but we do not bend on our standards. Amen. Okay, so again, making sure that we understand that we stand firm, but we recognize we don't know everything. And it's okay for us to say, um, hey, I'm going to 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 collaborate with somebody else so that we can have a greater impact. Hey, if if the the um, Muslim Students Society decide that they want to donate to the, the scholarship drive, we're going to say thank you. Right. We're going to say thank you. We appreciate that because we're still operating according to the kingdom. And so that's important. I said that was the last one. Let's do this one more. I think this is important. All these are so good, but our pastors will be back. So I know they'll finish and, and do, they may even go back over these that I've done. I don't know, but you guys will get the rest of these notes. Um, integrity. I can't finish without talking about integrity. Revolutionaries uphold ethical standards and demonstrate integrity in their actions. They inspire trust and respect in others. They do right even when others are not watching. They do right even when other people aren't watching. They do right when the cameras are no longer rolling. They do right um, when, when everybody else in society is doing wrong. People of, um, yes, if we find out the Muslim community is feeding people, we can help with that. Absolutely. And that's still being in integrity with ourselves, right? That's still having integrity with ourselves. Integrity is vital for a revolutionary. How many movements have been stopped because the leader has been found to have been doing something that was out of integrity? The enemy, Pastor Strickland used to say this all the time. The enemy will allow you to get um, to a place of prominence and, and have your character flaws and he won't he'll 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 actually hype you up with all those character flaws so that at the height of your prominence, you can be exposed for those character flaws. People of integrity say, you know what? And Pastor Strickland taught us to pray this. He was like, Lord, don't let my talent take me where my character can't sustain me. 
Don't let my talent, my charisma, my charm take me higher than my integrity can stand. And so we we that's a foundation here at Fellowship of Champions. We have to be people of integrity, which means we're not living double lives. We don't have one set of friends that we act crazy with and another set of friends that we, we are blessed and highly favored with. We have friends. Right. We have friends and we're one person all the time. That doesn't mean that that. Um, Everybody has the same level of access and all of that, but I'm talking about the core of who we are. We should not be out living double lives. Kim, I just saw her pop up. Um, Kim works out at the same place I work out. What would happen if, because I worked to work out there not knowing that Kim worked, worked out there? I didn't even know. Uh, I hadn't, I, I think maybe I met Kim once. Um, so she walked up to me after we had worked out and she says, You, you, Pastor Nitra. What would have happened if I was in there cursing people out and, and doing crazy stuff? And she would have walked and she would have said, that's not the same person I see on, on, on church on Sundays. That's not the same person that's leading prayer and here cursing in the gym. If you don't live uh, a singular life, if you don't live a life of integrity, you will be exposed at some point. If you don't live that life, somebody's going to see you out and they're going to say, is that the same, same, same person that was leading praise and worship? Is that the same person? Your life should be aligned um, everywhere you go, because if it's not, you will be exposed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to expose you at the height of, uh, of prominence. And uh, people of integrity don't mind accountability. People of integrity don't mind accountability. They not only don't mind it, they appreciate it and they seek it out. They implement safeguards in their life to ensure that they remain people of integrity because they are humble enough to know that their flesh is weak, even when their spirit is willing. They discipline their flesh and they have integrity and accountability. They discipline their flesh and they have accountability. So we're going to end with this one. Again, we're talking about integrity. Integrity says, I am going to seek out accountability. What does that mean? I'm going to have people that can hold me to a standard. I'm going to put uh, guardrails in place so that I don't do certain things. If you say, I want to be a person of integrity and I'm dating somebody, you go, you know what? I have to have a guardrail where I give myself a certain curfew or I don't do certain things. I Even though I'm grown, because that's what we like to say, I'm grown. Yes, you are grown. But if you want to be a person of integrity, you're going to establish those guardrails where somebody can call you and say, hey, you said you had a date. What time is it? Where are you? Because you desire to be a person of integrity. When you start sneaking around, you can already know you're, you're, you're slipping. When you start saying, I'm not gonna tell so-and-so, you can already know you're slipping. When, you're start, when you start to say, I'm not gonna tell this person, you can know you're slipping. Person, being, integrity, uh, being a person of integrity may not always feel good to your flesh. Because sometimes being a person of integrity is being quiet when someone is talking crazy and God says, just be quiet and let me handle it. That is being an integrity. Sometimes it, it's doing whatever God tells us to do, even when other people are, are doing the opposite. When everybody else is out cursing and and doing whatever they want to do. And this is not about just your, your language. This is about you being the person that God called you to be in your house. I'm going to say that part in your house. So if your kids say that's that's not how mama act when she that you're not you're out of integrity if you're not living in your house the life that that you're saying. Now I'm not saying you have to be perfect in your house, 
we're going to all make mistakes, right? That's why we have compassion and patience. But but we shouldn't be one way here and one way uh, another place. God wants us to be people of integrity. So if we're going to have that revolutionary mindset, I want you to go back and see if you have these characteristics. If not, cultivate these things because God desires to elevate us. He wants to elevate some some of the people on this platform. God says, I want to elevate. But right now, your character's a little, little, little too shady. I can't. I can't elevate you here because your character will expose you when you get to this other place. You got to deal with that. If your husband wouldn't say the same thing, you have to go, wait a minute. My husband wouldn't say I'm a person of integrity. Maybe I need to deal with that before I go and start this missionary, this this other platform. Maybe I need to deal with some home issues first before I start to build my this, this thousand people following. Maybe I need to deal with some issues in home. So many of us are so excited to to be. Um, a person of prominence that we don't want to deal with the issues underneath. But if your foundation of your house is messed up, it doesn't matter how pretty your decoration is. That thing is not good. It's not good. It's, it, the value has decreased with the foundation is shot. And so the integrity has to be the foundation of a revolutionary mindset. You have to say, yes, I'm adaptable. Yes, I'm empathetic, but I got to have some integrity with things of God. I have to have integrity so that when somebody comes in, if they want to redecorate, that's fine because we still got a firm foundation. If someone comes and they want to do some different landscaping, that's fine because my foundation is firm. We can do some other things on the outside, but if that foundation, if you don't have integrity, that is going to bring down the revolutionary uh, mindset. That is going to tear, that's going to mess up the revolution. Hey, there are a lot, if you go back and look at um, the, some documentaries with the Black Panther Party and even in the civil rights movement and all of those things, a lot of times things started to break up. Yes, there were definitely some external factors that were not fair from the government and I'm not getting into all of that, but there was some internal integrity issues that started to play out. Uh, that began to tear down. Maybe some of the men were being abusive to some of the women, those types of things. That's not integrity. And so you can't empower the masses if you're you're tearing down internally. You can't empower the masses if, if you're tearing down your team um, on, on the base level. And so integrity is so important. Build a foundation with the word of God. Build a foundation of doing what you say you're going to do. Build a foundation of doing what God called you to do. Because when the storms come, when the winds blow, we need you to have a firm foundation of integrity. I hope this blessed you. Um, it blessed me. The notes um, blessed me, Pastor Sean and Pastor Strickland. Um, we miss you. We are ready for you to come back. But thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to, to minister this word Go ahead and put that in the comment section. I have a revolutionary mindset. Join us back here next week. Our pastors will be back um, with more word. Again, they may go over some of this stuff. They um, they may they may do. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I know it's going to be good. I know you need to come back. If you are a first time visitor, welcome again. Come back when our pastors are back. We would love to have you. We declare that we are revolutionaries. We are the revolution and we're going to see and do amazing things for the kingdom of God. Amen. Love y'all. And we will talk to you um, next week. Bye-bye. Oh, no, 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 not bye-bye. It's giving time. Um, it's time to give. So if you are, um, if you were blessed today, or if you just know this, if you are a partner of this ministry, you know what to do. We want you to sow into this ministry so that we can get the word of God out all over the world, literally. So it's um, we have several ways to give. You can give through Giveify, Pushpay, or Tithely. You can even text to give. Text the word give to 833-969-0897 or PayPal if you are international. We ask that only um, 
PayPal people use the, um, I'm sorry, only our international partners use our PayPal link. And that's focchurchnwa at gmail.com. There, um, there are reasons that we we ask to give, and it's not so that we can um, live live lavishly. God provides that for us. We ask to give so that we can continue to do the work of the ministry. And so again, this is a place of integrity. So we ask that you would give so that we can continue to do this. Um, if you want to be a virtual partner, we also ask that you do this. What What is being a virtual partner? Being a virtual partner is saying, hey, I want to be a part of Fellowship of Champions. I believe that this ministry is, is powerful. It's life-changing and I want to be a part of it. So you can go and what partnership is basically you agreeing that you're going to be a part of our services. You're going to offer your time for serving uh, in the ministry. As a result, we're going to pray for you. We're going to cover you in prayer. We're going to give you a word that's practical. We're going to give you a word that's empowering. We're going to do the things that God called us to do. And we're asking that you use your talents to edify the kingdom of God as well. So go to www.focchurch.com, scroll down and complete the partnership registration form. If you have not if you've not given. So we covered offering. Make sure you go back over all of the announcements. Make sure that you go back and watch the replay of this. You know, sometimes we're listening, um, but it doesn't hurt to go back and listen to these things again because you can hear some nuggets the second time around that maybe you missed the first time. So glad you enjoyed first time visitor Greg. We're, we appreciate you. Um, so we, we want to thank everybody. Thank you for staying. If you want to stay connected, uh, text F-O-C-I-N-T to that number that's scrolling across your screen right now. Again, if you want to stay connected, you'll get a text message every time we're going live. Text the word F-O-C-I-N-T to that number that's um, going. They've got it in the comment section so you can catch that. Make sure you are... Um, following Fellowship of Champions so you can stay connected. Remember, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to do amazing things in your life. Don't don't settle for less than. Don't settle for less than. Just because um, it didn't work out one time, go again. Go again and believe you receive everything God has for you and do what he told you to do so you can live that John 10 and 10 life because you are a champion. We love you and I will see you guys later. Bye-bye.